Sunday kind of love. A love to last past Saturday night. And I'd like to know. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. I want a Sunday kind of love. Good morning and happy Sunday to everyone out there. Thanks for tuning in. Join in on the Ramoslaw.com text line 303-713-1043. All right, so I've got a question to ask you, Kyle. And the news of the day is that if Josh Jacobs cannot reach an agreement or if he does not sign his franchise tag with the Las Vegas Raiders, that potentially not only would the Broncos but the Chiefs as well would be the two teams most likely to land him. What? Yeah, yeah, not land. What? Not land. I'm a First of all, let's all pray that it doesn't happen in Kansas City. That's the last thing that the Chiefs That's offense needs. My goodness. Do you think he would be willing to take less to play for the Chiefs? Probably. A little more willing to negotiate? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Then get to stick it to his old team that wouldn't pay him two years, two, twice a year. Now can I ask you a question? That's all, that's what you do all day. Would he be willing to take less to play for the Broncos? A little different situation. Yeah. What, but I think the motivation is still the same. But uh, What is the motivation? Stick it to the Raiders. You get a chance to do it in both scenarios. Boy, I just... That's a, that's a level of petty that I can appreciate, but I don't know if it's the best way to make your decision. You, you think you think he likes the Raiders right now? I didn't say that. Okay. But why would you make a, a decision about your future just to stick it to the Raiders? Who cares? The best revenge is living well. That's what they tell me. Okay. All right. Tell they tell me. Tell tell twenty four year olds that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, here here's the question. So. Rescinding the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs is an option for the Vegas Raiders, and that would allow them to retain that $10 million. But I I find that, you know, a little hard to believe that they would go down that road, Kyle, because you lose him for nothing. So if they were to investigate trading him on the franchise one-year tag, should the Broncos make a move? Should they be interested in trading for Josh Jacobs, and what would a... What would a package look like that would net Josh Jacobs? I, I don't think they should be interested in it. I actually think Williams and P. Ryan and maybe even McLaughlin or Beatty are going to create a pretty formidable running back group. So I don't think they should be interested. But I think if you were, uh, you'd probably look at one of the secondary players that you have. Because I know the Raiders could use some of that. They don't want any players. Yeah. That's what I'll tell you. Okay. It wouldn't be for players. It would be for draft picks. Okay. And I think the well, only comp that you could possibly look at in this situation is what McCaffrey went to the 49ers for, which was a second, third, and a fourth round pick in this last draft and a 2024 well, fifth. forget about it then. Forget about it. We're, we're not going to negotiate to that degree with someone in the division. No. For, forget about it. What about Jonathan Taylor? Because his situation is very similar in Indianapolis. Now he requested a trade. He is under contract, but he requested a trade. Yeah, he's also coming off a pretty down year where he's often injured. I think he played in, what, five games last year? So who's cheaper? The kid's got something to prove. I think Jonathan Taylor would be 
he's got the bigger upside, but he's also coming off injury, so he probably would be the less expensive. I don't want to say cheaper. I would say the less expensive player. Okay. Cost you less to acquire. Okay. Okay. I think it's something to think about. If you could add Josh Jacobs, well, that's the thing. Or Jonathan Taylor. Either one. But it's you're a right. body blow when you get Josh Jacobs. It is a body blow. And, and look, that offense would be better. But I think at the end of the day, the question comes down to, is Josh Jacobs an addition that puts you over the top? And I think that if you deem him to be that, then you would investigate that. But outside of that, I find it hard to believe that the value you'd have to give up makes sense in the long run when you figure, okay, so you, you acquire Josh Jacobs for this year. Are you going to rework a contract out with him? Probably not. We'll have the same conversation with him next year, right? right probably and he's not. A first round pick for the Raiders, and and honestly, you know, e- even though you don't invest first round picks in running backs, they're going to want something close, close in value, right? I would. Was he rushed for seventeen last year? Yeah, yeah. He was the leading rusher in the NFL on, last man. year. They're going. They're going to want something close to a first round pick. We'll see how that all plays out. Here's some other NFL news from around the league. Guard Zach Martin for the Dallas Cowboys is a holdout in camp. In camp, rather, continues to hold out. He's been fined over five hundred thousand dollars. Cowboys man got rid of Zeke Elliott. Got rid of Dalton Schultz. They brought in Brandon Cooks. We'll, we'll have to keep our eye on that one because Zach Martin's a future Hall of Famer for sure. And if Dallas doesn't have him, if Dallas can't run the football this year, it's going to be a really rough season for Dak Prescott. Really rough season for Dak, Dak Prescott. It really will be. Uh, the other holdout in the NFL worth mentioning, Nick Bosa in San Francisco. GM John Lynch is not happy about it, but Nick Bosa profiles to be the highest paid defensive player in football whenever that deal is done. And if you're San Francisco, just pay this man. He is a one-man wrecking crew. I don't know why you wouldn't pay Nick Bosa. Yeah, it worked out for his brother Joey. Uh, you saw that actually play out on the documentary from a few years, or not documentary, Hard Knocks a few years ago. So um, I, I get it, man. And this is where the business of the NFL starts to disenchant fans because it is like, well, why don't you go back? You guys got a chance to win the Super Bowl. No, this is a business, bro. It's a business. Pay that man. The Colts signed Kenyon Drake as insurance for Jonathan Taylor at running back. That is an addition that I know we were all really excited about. (laughs) The quarterback competitions around the league are heating up. In Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield has looked really rough in training camp. Reports yesterday that in nine practices, Mayfield has thrown seven interceptions. And apparently, backup quarterback at the moment, Kyle Trask, who played at Florida, and they drafted him a few years ago. He's starting to make some headway in that battle. So sounds like the Baker experiment is not off to a good start for Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers. I think Baker tired playing football. We'll see. We'll see. Football might be tired of Baker <laughs> at this point. Uh, the Washington commander, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Ron Rivera came out the other day and said, don't sleep on Jacoby Brissett. Look, if you were going to ask me who the better quarterback between Howell and Brissett is, I would obviously say Jacoby Brissett. But if you are in the shoes of the Washington Commanders, what is your goal right now? Your goal right now is to move forward with the new chapter of your franchise. You've got to bring in a younger quarterback who could potentially, you know, give you something. And if not, then you know you have to move on next year. Yeah, there's been a ton of reports that Sam Howell shouldn't have dropped to the fifth round. And when he was in college, he he had a little more fanfare than, uh, than where he was picked at. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I just know Jacoby Brissett, his time in New England, his time in Indianapolis, he's Cleveland. Been nothing, in Cleveland. He's been rock solid, man. Rock solid. Rock solid. 
I would have loved to see him as the backup quarterback here. Oh, man. That was who I was hoping that they would go find. Instead, they went out immediately and got Stidham. Uh, the other quarterback competition that I thought is one we should keep our eye on in New England. Everybody is competing according to Mac, according to Bill Belichick. So Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi are going back and forth for starting for the starting responsibilities for the New England Patriots right now. You think it's Mac? I think Bill's check retires after this year. I do too. I do I think too. That's a wrap, man. But I, I would be surprised if Mac Jones didn't win. But I guess with Bill Belichick, nothing would really come as that big of a surprise. In Indianapolis, Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson continue to go at it. I expect Anthony Richardson to win that one. If I were Indianapolis, and I don't know about you, but I would throw him to the wolves. I'd let him sink or swim. You, you need to know right away. And more than anything, Kyle, this kid needs reps. He hasn't played a ton of football. Hasn't played a ton of football. Hasn't won a lot of games. Everybody knows I'm on record saying I'm not high on Anthony Richardson. Neither Obviously, he's a yeah. freak athlete. Gardner Minshew has proven that he can be a scrappy quarterback in the NFL. So they got a good insurance policy. But that would be an insurance policy if you were trying to be competitive. A couple other quick notes here. Cooper Cup injured his hamstring. He'll be out a little while, which is really bad news for the Rams because their offense without him does not project to be very exciting Both Seattle running backs, Kenneth Walker and newly drafted UCLA running back Zach Charbonnet, both got hurt at the same time. Tough break there for the Seattle Seahawks. It looks like Charbonnet is getting back to practice here shortly. But either way, you definitely don't want to lose your top two backs in the middle of camp. DeMar Hamlin practicing pads. The Bills safety who was revived on the field last year. So great to see. He said he's living life without fear. Apparently, the Minnesota Vikings have interest in running back Kareem Hunt, which is a little ironic considering they just let Dalvin Cook walk out the door, but apparently they are intrigued by what Kareem Hunt can offer them. Get it for cheaper. Melvin Gordon might be having flashbacks to Nam. Just, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking with Melvin Gordon because he's going up against two undrafted rookies in Baltimore Ravens training camp, and that will decide the third and final roster spot there in the running back room will be Melvin Gordon and two undrafted rookies. He's probably got the Phil Lindsay flashbacks going big time right now. Is Dobbins fully healthy? Uh, Dobbins is not. Dobbins on the pup list. So. Gus Edwards is there, and so is uh, former Oklahoma State running back Justice Hill. And that is a lap around the league. When we come back, there is one more quarterback competition, and a former Broncos quarterback is pushing a top five overall pick. Details next. Thanks, Shane, for the better and for the bird. So I called my mom and she said, baby, I'll see the money. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. So there is a former Broncos quarterback who is pushing a top five overall pick in a training camp. You're not going to believe this one. Apparently, Brandon Allen. You remember that name? Yes. The Gamer. Apparently, he is making life really hard for Trey Lance at 49ers training camp to the point where I saw multiple articles from 49er beat writers about should the Niners keep both Lance and Allen on the roster, which would give them four quarterbacks because they already have Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. Is Brandon Allen making life hard on Trey Lance or is Trey Lance making hard? Great question. On Trey Lance. Great question. I think that's more of what it is. 
but just goes to show how horrible that trade really was. Now, look at this, man. This guy started for them week one last year. Mm-hmm. I remember the slop game in Chicago. Chicago right? Chicago mess around won that game, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, because the Trey Lance isn't that good. start last year. Yeah, until Rough they start. put Garoppolo in, you know, week three in Denver. He loses 11 to 10, and then the rest is history. Man. Like, this was your week one starter last year, and now we're talking about Brandon Allen, who um, he played well, decent, when he threw that ball to Cortland Sutton. I remember there was one. That was against Cincinnati, was it? Mm-hmm. A few years ago? Mm-hmm. That was a COVID year or something like that when, when they were kind of playing musical chairs at, at quarterback. And now we're talking about Brandon Allen potentially make, making an argument for having a fourth quarterback on your roster. <laughs> and you went out and got Sam Darnold and you got Mr. Irrelevant that you're talking about starting. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. This is, I, I think this is one of the most unusual quarterbacking situations that I've witnessed in the NFL. It's strange. It's yeah. bizarre. But but Brock Purdy, who has fully recovered from that UCL surgery in the offseason to his elbow, he looks great. So he'll be the starter. My bold prediction when we did bold predictions for 32 NFL teams was that Sam Darnold would be the starter all year for San Francisco. That isn't going to be the case. Just it was a little too bold, you know, on a, on a limb that few men dare to go. I went there and I was wrong. Are, are you old enough to remember the Doug Flutie, Rob Johnson? Sure. Yeah, quarterback controversy. Yes. That that got muddy and nasty too, man. I don't think this is nasty, but it's just bizarre and unfortunate, kinda. Forty nine fans, put your seatbelt on. Yeah, just I, when I saw that story, it, it caught my eye because I said, "Oh, okay." There was an article on NFL.com that also caught my eye. Bucky Brooks, who's an analyst for NFL.com, writes that Sean Payton by making the comments that he made last week have put the Broncos has put the Broncos squarely in the spotlight in 2023 which I thought was interesting because we kind of analyzed it in a vacuum as it relates to week 5 in the matchup with Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets and of course the comments I'm talking about are the ones he made to Jared Bell in his one-on-one conversation with USA Today earlier this week. Of course that caught, you know, it went viral and then Aaron Rodgers responded and Hackett responded and we all know the story. His one-on-one conversation was, was you know, Sean, Jared, and the rest of the world mm. that it turned into. Bucky Brooks writes, quote, What do you get when you combine a Super Bowl-winning head coach with a Super Bowl-winning quarterback? Inquiring minds in Denver are dying to know. According to Sean Payton, though, Broncos fans can expect a return to the postseason for the first time since Denver won the franchise's third Lombardi trophy at the end of 2015. Quote, I'm going to be pissed off. If this is not a playoff team, Peyton told Jarrett Bell. You and I haven't had a chance to really talk about this. There's been so much that's gone on at training camp. You and I really haven't, you know, taken a dive into this. What did you make of his comments? Um, I, I am with Nathaniel Hackett, and there's a... Sorry, you're with who? I, I'm with Nathaniel Hackett. Oh. There's a code, right? And you very rarely see coaches or hear coaches um, just poo-poo each other like that. And I, I thought it was a bad move. I thought it was a little tacky. What did he do? Poo-poo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's the way you use that phrase, but I get where you were going. I just wanted hey, to man, point we're from it different out. places. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're from Bark Hill. We're I forgot. Yeah. That must be how they use it uh, in Bark Hill. So, yeah. So, I, 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 thought it was, I thought it was tacky, for sure. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> um, and, and there's a reason for that, right? This is a very much a 
fraternity. And it, it, these guys, they know each other. They often work with each other. There's a lot of comings and goings, and, and I thought he violated that. So I didn't like that part of it. Get off your high horse and join us down here at the grown-ups table, okay? This Who, is the real world. He didn't lie. He didn't lie. Not a word he said was a lie. Okay. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. All right. Now, here's my, here, here is where I will take a little bit of issue with what he said. It was just the timing. It was just the timing. Had he made these comments in May, March, April, May, it really wouldn't have been half the story that it ended up becoming. But because it was right before training camp, it was really poorly timed. And it wasn't thought out well. And I know Sean Payton instantly regretted it, but, you know, you, you still said it. Yeah. Right? The cat's out of the bag. You're, there's no putting the toothpaste back in that, too. Bucky Brooks uh, continued. He says, with Payton poised to utilize the first half of the season as an evaluation period that enables him to tweak the system to accentuate Wilson's game... <coughs> The 34-year-old quarterback could regain his swagger as he sparks a resurgence in the Mile High City that cements his legacy as a player and Peyton's reputation as the ultimate offensive guru. One thing's for sure, in the wake of Peyton's candid commentary on the 2022 Broncos, the spotlight will shine extra bright on the 23 Broncos, for better or worse. Do you agree or disagree? Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he has drawn the eyes and ire of many around the league, so... Uh, and putting himself squarely in the spotlight, which I don't think he minds, by the way, right? He he doesn't mind the stage, but it has presented some urgency to the franchise. Like, you, now you got to back this stuff up now. I'm going to be pissed off if this team doesn't make the playoffs. And so is everybody else. That was probably the one line that I said, oh, okay. All right. Like, okay. And if you don't. If you don't, it ain't going to be off. It's going to be on by the rest of the league at the end of the season. So, I don't know how much pressure he really put on the Broncos with these comments. I think he put pressure on them in week five. I think this is taking it a little bit too far from Bucky Brooks because at the end of the day, once the football starts, we're not really all going to be thinking. Well, let me take that back. Once the football starts, the country, maybe us here in Broncos country, will be examining it in a different light, but the country will be more more fixated on Russell Wilson than they will be on Sean Payton this year, I think. Because at the end of the day, the biggest question is whether Sean Payton can revive Russ, but that's, that's you know, part and parcel to can Russ prove that he's that guy still. Yeah, Payton's a little protected in that regard, right? And it's one of the few situations where you could see if it doesn't go right, the quarterback actually gets the boot before the head coach does. So, and that that doesn't happen. Mm -mm. No. It doesn't happen. So. No, because the coach already got the boot, right? <laughs> now now we're on to coach number two yeah, to do no the doubt. damn thing. Uh, Sean Payton, and this is another part that Bucky Brooks brought up in, in this piece, saying that Payton is building the roster very similar to what he did in New Orleans. Big offensive line, road graders want to move you, and, you know, speedy guys on the outside with – with a combination of different skill sets that you can be really creative and versatile with, Kyle. Do you see a little bit of the similarities there? I I do. Hasn't looked like that this week. Undersized quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but, I, you know, I'm careful about putting him up against one of the all-time greatest passers. Oh, I'm not making yeah, that comparison. Yeah, I got that. No, I'm not I'm, making I'm, that I'm going to drive slow on that one, homie. Yeah. 
Look, the biggest news to come out of training camp yesterday is that the starters are going to play in the preseason game on Friday. And the first preseason game for the Denver Broncos is this Friday, 8 o'clock kickoff, around the country on NFL Network. But around here, I imagine it's it's one of our local channels, which you should get if you have some sort of cable, I would imagine. But there's also a chance that you don't get it because some that's sort. the world we live in. Me and DMAC were laughing the other day about, you say, some sort of cable. Back in the day, all you had to do was turn the TV on. That's all I want to do right now. Why can't we live in that world right now? Yeah, scrolling and guiding and searching and talking. All right, so what lessons did we learn from the preseason in 2022? Let's take a look back. Let's start with week one of the preseason last year. They played Dallas. Now, this is, of course, coming off of the joint practice that they had with the Cowboys where Randy Gregory in street clothes got into a fight as he was recovering from an injury. And, of course, that open practice with the Cowboys last year was really the, you know, the the flame to the fuel on the fire of the hype machine that was Russell Wilson because that was his best day by all accounts. Yeah, 2022 lessons. Um, from preseason. Just the preseason games. I'm not talking about training camp. I'm just talking about preseason oh. here. Oh, man, you talk about missed opportunity. Okay. Missed opportunity to, to, to callous your players, to see what you got. I, I, you know, I think if you just had played the first game, just the first game, you wouldn't have seen – you probably win the Seattle game. If you had played in the preseason, you win the Seattle game. I am completely with you there, completely, because they punted on preparation, Kyle. They opted for the first, very first play call that Russell Wilson received from Nathaniel Hackett through his headset to be on the road in prime time against Russ's old team in the loudest stadium in the NFL. It was a horrible plan. The communication will be ironed out this year. The communication will not be half as dysfunctional as it was last year, Kyle. They win in week one of the preseason 17-7 to over the Cowboys. Josh Johnson led the Broncos with 172 yards passing. So, you know, the only thing I remember about that game, and I'll say the the lesson that I feel like they can take out of week one last year, is just getting things off to a, a good start, right? But but you have to continue that as we learned in week two of the preseason. Do you remember what happened in week two of the preseason? I, I just don't remember any real lessons, big ones popping off against the Cowboys. I just don't. Yeah, that was, you know, the end of the, what, the joint practice week. Yeah. Yeah. It's the word I was looking for. So those things you're just trying to get out of healthy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You got one preseason game left, and, you know, you're starting to make the roster cuts. You're trying to evaluate guys, but you've had a long week. It's been scrappy. There's been fights. There's been all the above, and you're just trying to get out of that thing and, and, and be done with it. You remember so. how bad the Cowboys looked in that game? That is the one thing I remember. Cowboys looked really bad in that game. But you got to see – Rush a little bit, right? Backup quarterback is, is Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, yeah, Cooper Rush, who came on and actually was more. I don't know if you're talking about to, Russell Wilson, and you had a list. All same, of a sudden, same difference. The same difference. Russell Wilson, you know. Yeah. Uh, but Cooper Rush came on and played very well in Dak Prescott stead last year, right? Because mm-hmm. he got hurt in the first game of the season. So you know, for the Cowboys, it actually was a good opportunity to see what they had. So and I believe he played pretty well in that preseason game as well. So then the next week they went on the road to Orchard Park and played the Bills in what was the worst NFL preseason game that I've ever seen. Maybe of all time. 
They lost 42-15 to to Buffalo on the road and didn't do a damn thing right in that game. That was one of the most embarrassing performances maybe in Broncos history. Here are the numbers. I had to go back and look at them, okay? Case Keenum absolutely tore the Broncos apart after Josh Allen opened up with three of three and a 45-yard, 3 of three, 45 yards of touchdown. Case Keenum came in 16 of 18, 192 yards and a touchdown. And then Matt Barkley came in 7 of 8 for 65 yards. So all told, Buffalo quarterbacks were 26 of 29 for 302 yards and two touchdowns. On the ground, they outpaced the Broncos 208 to 30. And that's not what the Buffalo Bills do, right? If Josh Allen's not running the ball, they weren't running the ball. Right? And and that is a little different with Dable gone, but that wasn't their forte. So for them to rack up 200 yards against the Broncos, you remember that was a day game. It was a weird time of day. And all it was an early kick. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was weird. And I think all of us around here uh, kind of started looking at each other out the side of our eye, like maybe this depth is not as you know good as we all thought it was going to be. We in trouble here. Boys. Yeah, yeah. It was such a bad loss in the preseason that you thought to yourself, "Oh, oh boy, what what is happening here?" Because the Broncos won the time of possession battle, they ran more plays, yet they got outgained by over two hundred yards and stunk at everything, every everything except for Brett Rippon, who somehow was twenty two of twenty six in that game for one hundred and ninety one yards and a touchdown. In fact, that he threw twenty six passes in that game. But you know what? Thinking back, that is probably the game that won him the quarterback competition over Josh Johnson, because Josh Johnson started that game and did not play very well whatsoever. Josh Johnson, man. He's in the camp with the Ravens. Do you? I know. Do you remember? Well, that is a cockroach that just won't die. That's what that is. Um, Hell no, man. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett came out afterwards. Do you remember what happened after that game? He apologized. He apologized. Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry to the fans. He but apologized to, to the fans. That. And we all sat here and went, wait. What? Sorry, was Coach talking to us? What, what are you saying? You're sorry? What? No, it's the preseason, man. Relax. We know. We know. But yeah. then it was like, why did you feel the need to apologize to the fans after a preseason? That was a huge red flag. It was. Huge red flag. It was. It, it, it felt as if he um, he didn't have a whole lot of direction in what he was doing. And it, and it played out to be exactly that. And unfortunately, you followed it up. You, you almost wish that was a year where they had an, a fourth preseason game. Mm-hmm. Well... No, you wish that was a year you had played your starters. That's what you wish. You'd well, done. I, yeah, that's really what you'd wish you'd. Done. I, hey, man, I had to look this up, right? Because now you got to get ready for Seattle, right? You have to go back to Seattle with Russell and all of the factors that played into that. Your first game, you have twelve penalties for 106 yards. Yeah, two delay games, four false starts. Well, you skipped ahead a little bit. They did have a third preseason game last year against the Vikings that they won 23-13. But, yes, then the next week, you're right, they went into Seattle, 12 penalties. Yes, of course. That was how it was atrocious from day one. And you know why you had so many penalties? Because you didn't get it out of the way early. first time you were on the field. You didn't make those mistakes early so you could correct them and coach them. It was such a bad plan, Kyle. It was all new. And Nathaniel Hackett at that moment in time was still treating it like he wanted to just copy and paste Green Bay's culture. How many people I would love to hear from the text line were out there saying, you know, Hackett has brought something new, innovative. We have to give it time to play out. This is a new way of approaching training camp. I know all the 
former football players that were here in the office were saying, no, this ain't how you do it. It's not going to work. Uh, I, I wonder how many fans are on board with it. Who cares? All the way up until they well, were wrong. They, the they, football players were right. Right, right. You would you would have had to. I mean, you're eating humble pie at that point for sure. But I just wonder who who wasn't who wasn't worried at that time. All the football players were worried. <clears throat> yeah, deeply. Yeah. Well, I think we were all just hoping, right, more than anything, that, that it was something different. It was something new. I, I know all football coaches, all assistant coaches that aspire to be head coaches, keep a journal of what they would do if they were in charge. And those were probably the things that were in Hackett's journal. It just was a really bad journal. So what lessons did we learn from the preseason last year? You, you, you got to see what you got. And I think that's why you're going to see the Broncos put their starters out. And some of their highest paid players are going to play in the first preseason game. And you didn't see that last year. And it's important, right? In part because you got to establish some continuity. And if it doesn't go well, from the very beginning, particularly offensively. I think this doesn't necessarily speak to the defense as much as it does to the offense, right? Okay. I, I, I think I think it has to have some early success, or you might see them play a little longer than you anticipated. Well, you know who plays every year in the preseason? You know who played in three preseason games last year? Patrick Mahomes. He played Not almost a then. full half against Chicago okay. in the preseason. So while everybody's pearl-clutching on making sure players don't get hurt— the best player in the NFL is just getting his work in and getting ready for the year. I always go back to, imagine if you went and told Peyton Manning that he wasn't allowed to play in the preseason. He'd be like, <clears throat> forget you. What are you talking about? We're getting our prep in. Because you rise to the occasion and fall back on your preparation. And if you don't put in the time in the preseason in camp to get ready so that all of those procedural mistakes that we saw pop up in week one in Seattle, as you just referenced, 12 penalties, 106 penalty yards, what are we doing? Do you think you think Russell unwillingly accepted that last year? You think you actually wanted to? And he said, all right, I'm going to give the new coaches his due and, and, and buy into the process? Yeah, yeah, I do think so. Yeah, because knowing who Russ is, and I don't know if anybody really knows who Russ is, but at least knowing the persona that he shows us, it seems to me like he'd want to get out there. No doubt. Yeah. I it seems to too. me like he, he wouldn't be a guy that really wants to take the time off. He'd rather get the work in on the field. Even if it's just a little. But Hackett was operating out of fear. And when you operate out of fear, you just attract it to a, your experience. Hey, man. And, and this doesn't happen often, but I, I will co-sign with James Merrillad and say, you can't bubble wrap these guys. You, you got to get out there. You get better at playing football by playing football. Except I'll give a little bit of a caveat to that. I think Randy Gregory and Frank Clark are maybe exceptions to that rule. I would much rather have those guys healthy. I'm not worried about those guys being calloused for week one. I'd rather have them healthy for week one. Yeah. I mean, they'll play a little bit, but I'd rather have them healthy for week one. What they call lathering up. You know why? Because the young group of pass rushers that the Broncos have, Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper, you know, Marquise Haynes, the undrafted rookie, Old Dominion has had some nice days. Those are the guys, Christopher Allen, the undrafted out of Alabama. Those are the guys that I'd like to see in the preseason. Because I know what I'm going to get from Randy Gregory and Frank Clark. You know what's crazy about that is that all those players you named, that was one of the biggest concerns even before Frank Clark. And all of them, all of them are producing. Yeah, well, they're producing because you're not tackling to the ground fully yet. The offensive line doesn't look great, and they don't really have to stop the run yet. So just a little caveat there. Like, you can – Sean Payton said it this week. We don't want to be early evaluators. And I think with that group specifically, that's an important 
you know, characteristic you, to you cherish. Got a special, special way of finding the gray cloud and the silver lining. You know that. You know what I have? I have the coach's mentality of let's just make sure we have our bases covered. That's what it is, okay. Kyle. All right. Don't you? Maybe that's well. All right. I won't take a shot. Don't do that. I won't take a shot Don't at you this that. morning. I Don't won't do, do it. I won't do it. I love you too much to do that to you on air. Oh, no. <clears throat> Off air, I, I will definitely <laughs> take that shot at you. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals are the opponent this week in the first preseason matchup for the Broncos. Clearly the former team of Vance Joseph and Zach Allen. They'll go down there to play the Cardinals. I don't know who we're going to see at quarterback for Arizona. They've got Colt McCoy, David Blau, and Jeff Driscoll, former Broncos quarterback, in a bit of a competition right now in camp. Colt McCoy, I imagine, comes out as the starter while they wait for Kyler Murray. So I'm not sure that we see him in in the first game of the preseason. I really don't because he's been there for a few years. It's not like you got to get him a lot lot more work. I think I would think for them. You'd probably be trying to iron out between Driscoll and Blau. Two journeymen, man. And they also have a rookie from Houston. I want to say Clayton Toon is the kid's name. I don't know if he'll play at all, but I'd imagine we see a heavy dose of both Driscoll and Blau. And if Russell Wilson plays, maybe we do end up seeing Colt McCoy. Um, but, But if there's one thing that you're looking for out of Friday's game, what would it be? I... You've got to have some offensive efficiency. I'm not saying you have to have fireworks, right? I'm not looking for explosive plays so much, right? But I am looking for, it it sounds really minuscule, but, man, can you get two first downs per drive, right? Can you move the ball? Can you flip the field? You know, I'm okay if they don't score on every drive. And if there's three drives that we have to, to examine here, man, that would be the benchmark for me. How well did you move the ball? Did you flip the field? Did you score on one of those? Um, how did you manage your third downs? Those are key key for me. If training camp provides Russell Wilson with the training reels right now, what I want to see is him in command of this offense and comfortable and poised. <laughs> now, that's I that's I, asking for the world. I realize that, but you, you know what? Just from observations between him and Lombardi, and, and, and you know, in the team periods, him and I, who? Um, OC. Oh, Joe Lombardi. Yeah. I'm so sorry. OC. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't feel as though they are not that he doesn't have command of it. I do. I, I feel like the way that he gets the play and then he goes into the huddle. I don't sense any body language that say that says he's not in conf, not doesn't have confidence or that he's um, really swirling in his head. I don't. I don't get that from him. At I think all. things are moving a hundred miles an hour. I don't get that at all. It, that might happen after the snap, but I don't get that in terms of being able to communicate the play call and being able to look your teammates in the eye and say this is what's going on. I, I, this look. This is a veteran. How NFL can you how can you say that from what they've what they've shown at camp? Like that's fine. I get your point, but they also are not deep into understanding and executing are two different things, Matt. They are. I'm talking about looking poised and looking comfortable and looking like you actually know what you're doing out there. I mean, I don't know how you can say that. But there's a process in that, Matt. There's a process. There's there's a communication process from the play caller to the to the quarterback, and then from the quarterback to the rest of the team. And then what happens after the snap? I think that's what you're judging. And no, it hasn't always looked good. But is there is there a herky jerky process from the play caller to the rest of the players on the field? I I haven't seen the body language that says we don't understand what is being communicated. I have not seen that at all. I think that's fair. I do. And look. It will be a process, but I'm looking for poise. That's what I'm looking for. Just going to be honest with you. The first team offense, I want to see execution, and I want to see, like you mentioned, the proper communication. 
We're not getting the play call in late. Maybe you'll have some of that stuff, but I'd like to see some of those communication issues ironed out. Next time you're at practice, I want you to look at how fast they get out of the huddle into the line of scrimmage. It's really crisp. They are, re- and, and so that's what I'm speaking to. And then you know what I see? Them getting off the field really fast because they're going three and out. So they may be getting out of the huddle fast, but they're getting off the field yes, just yeah. as fast. Two different processes for me. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. What did we see? What did we take out of our first real full week and a half at training camp? We'll dive into it next. Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan presents Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Posey decked him. <laughs> what a great call that was last night from Cleveland Guardians Radio. Let's hear it one more time. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. That is Tim Hamilton, the play-by-play for the Cleveland Guardians. And that was, of course, last night between the White Sox and the Guardians when Jose Ramirez slid headfirst into second base, took exception to White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson standing over him. And then Anderson, after having a finger pointed in his face, which Kyle says is, a it's violation. A, it's a violation. It's yeah. a trigger. Yeah. Sean? Hands up. Oh, watch yeah. out. Oh, he's stolen on him. He's fired on him. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let's go. Drop the sticks, man. Let's get cracking, man, to the middle of the rink. Let's go. Yeah. Well, that's what happened last night on the baseball diamond, and Guardians manager Terry Francona was asked about it after the game. What do you think of Jose's left hook? Right hook. Right hook. Right you know, it's not, it, it's really, it's not funny, but when I came in, I'm listening to Hammy, it's hard not to chuckle. I mean, it's, but, you know, again, it's not funny, but. <laughs> boys, boys will be but boys. it is. And that's what he said at the end. He said, boys will be boys. It's not funny, but kind of is. That's where he was going with that. It's, it's funny because this guy got the best of it. That's where he that's was going. Why. It's, it's what what do you what do you like to say? It's all fun and games till the rabbits got the gun. Uh, yeah, Something I can't, like you, that. you butchered it so bad that I, I can't even remember how I say. Yeah, uh-huh. did I really? <laughs> yeah, did I really? Yeah. I think that's pretty pretty close. I mean, a guy got put on his pockets on national television. Exactly. How you come back from that? You don't. You don't. You just got to walk it off, go home, and come back to the ballpark for game 85 the next day. And, and expect at every opposing ballpark you walk in, somebody going to remind your, you. <laughs> what were your takeaways from the first 10 days of Broncos training camp? If you had to if you had to look at this thing 30,000 feet. 30,000 feet. Um, I'm going to end on the positives. The offense has some work to do, right? I, I think the components are there. I think there's um, some things that haven't been there in the past both schematically and from a personnel standpoint. The injuries are killing you, obviously. Um, 
but you do have injuries that you can come back from in the wide receiver room. So that's that for the offense. I think the defense has the opportunity to be, to be back in the top 10, if not the top five, uh, laid, led by a really strong secondary. Um, and I think the linebacking core is you took a hit there, still solid with Singleton and Josie Jewell. And then you've had a lot of questions that you asked, that we both asked, answered up front, or or at least to a satisfactory degree up to this point. On the defensive side? On the side? defensive side. And I'm talking about the defensive front. I'm talking about on the interior. I'm also talking about from the pass rushers. Um, so I think you can be really encouraged from the defensive side. So I, I wanted to end on the positive because I, I think they have shined. Uh, guys have been as advertised or better. All right, so let, let's get to the positives in just a second. But let me pile on a little bit. <laughs> I'm with you. The The offense is not nearly as smooth of an operation as I anticipated yet. They've got time, but they don't have a lot of time. Russell Wilson has to demonstrate his ability to have a legitimate control of this offense once more, Kyle. He has to demonstrate his ability to be the rising tide that raises all boats. He has to, because when you have this much dysfunction, okay, and they're still working the kinks out, they will not have as much by the time they take the field in week one of the regular season. But when you're trying to work your way out of that, excuse me, you've got to find a way to... Stack your days. And I'm just a little bit concerned that he hasn't stacked his days well enough to this point. We'll get there. Um, But, look, I I think it's still very early, and I think Sean Payton needs more time to get his hooks into Russell. But there's a concern. Alarm bells are going off for me about Russ already. Mm -hmm. I would say the offensive line is also an area of concern for me right now that I did not anticipate heading into camp. Now, I know probably out of any group, on the football team, any unit, offensive line is going to be one of those that takes the longest to click. But early returns have not been great. Garrett Bowles looks like he's not quite 100%. Mike McGlinchey's not had a great start. And Ben Powers and pass protection has been a bit of a liability so far out there. So that, that's a bit of, a bit of my concern. I, I will say I think up front, defensively, they still need to make a, an addition at defensive tackle. And Mike Purcell has to be a concern, the fact that he is nowhere close to practicing. I don't know what's going on with D.J. Jones. Uh, D.J. Jones has been on and off the field, not practicing. I, did we ever get an answer on whether or not that he's been out there? You remember seeing him out there, right? I remember seeing them. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to dig a little deeper yeah. on that one. But But outside of that, Kyle, I would say, you know, those are probably my biggest areas. Oh, and kicker. And kicker. I don't think the kicker for this team is still is here yet. I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't know why you volunteered for that contest. It, that it was just, so it dumb. Did, it didn't have to be. That was so dumb. So, and by the way, McManus, by all accounts, looks great in Jags game. He is who he is. Yeah. All right. So the positives. Let's end on the positives. Well, my positives were the defense. I, I, I again, I feel like Justin Simmons. I think Justin Sims is probably going to be an all-pro this year if he if he can stay healthy. Um, and, uh, again, he had six interceptions last year, and he missed four – was it four or five games? He missed five games last year. And he had six interceptions. That was right up there with everybody in the league, including Minka Fitzpatrick, who uh, who did go to the Pro Bowl. So I, I think he's primed for it. I think Patrick Sertan is primed for it. Um, and, and then I'm looking for a really approved year. Although a lot of people would disagree, and he may not believe it's a proven year from from Randy Gregory, like man, our, well, let's play some football. Let's be the guy that everybody believes that you are. 
All right. The other thing I would say, and I and I just thought of one more negative. So allow me here. Losing what, what Tim Patrick. Losing Tim Patrick sucks. There's there's no sugarcoating that. Can't control. I understand that, that yeah. but it does suck, and you're going to have to find a way to adjust sure. with the positive side. I think the sec. I think the secondary has been, as you said, as advertised, probably one of the best in the NFL this season. That's that's number one. But I'd also like to highlight the running backs. I think Jaleel McLaughlin has shown us. Enough to the point where I think he's going to give Sean Payton a, a really, really hard time keeping him off this roster, this 53. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I like Samaj P. Ryan as well. One quick point. There are key positions that you have competition at, and that's a really good thing. And you didn't have as much last year. You yeah. got real training camp battles, yeah. and we'll see how week two rolls on as we are officially the first game week of 2023 as the Cardinals and Broncos will kick in the first preseason game on Friday. For Kyle Reese, I'm Matt Smith, the judge. Dan Jacobs, he's up next.